theory behind this is that without a personal HRTF, if you're trying to recreate the experience of listening to audio in an actual, what they call it, meat space. I heard the term meat space on a GDC <laughs> presentation. It's my favorite way to meat call space? it. Meat space? Like, instead of just saying the real world, yeah, meat space. So, <laughs> it sounds like a new <laughs> dating app. <laughs> meat space, it does. Do you like steak? We should meet. Meat space. <laughs> Nerd On. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Nerd On, the podcast you didn't need, but you deserve it. And where all levels of nerd are welcome. We have a very uh, special episode today. You always hear us on our show go uh, talk about in the housekeeping of also embody, adi, 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 audio. It's so weird without embody, Corey adi. here. Um, embody audio. I'll try. I'll try to. I'll try to just to, to sub in. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, embody audio is a um, company that we have been partnered with for the past uh, almost a year. It's nearing a year, um, and it's just an incredible program for for gaming. And I mean, as an audio mixer myself professionally, um, there are applications in that field as well. Um, but Jaron, who uh, we've been working with now for like three years, uh, moved on over to Embody Audio, and uh, I was just so glad to be able to continue the the friendship, the uh, relationship, the collaboration uh, with Jaron. Um, Jaron. Jaron from Embody Audio is here with us. Hello, Jaron. Hello. Um, Great to be here. Thanks yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so tell us a little bit about, about you, uh, what you do at Embody Audio, and you know, tell our audience who are not aware about what Embody is. Yeah, so uh, I do marketing for Embody, and uh, short version is we make spatial audio software for pro audio and gaming both. So uh, yeah, spatial audio is basically 3D audio for headphones, um, and our special thing is uh, machine learning and AI technology applied to basically making spatial audio better and more accessible for as many people as we can. Yeah. Gotta love that accessibility, baby. More accessible, baby. Quality and accessibility. That's yes. I mean, Jaron and I have had uh, in-depth conversations in the past of like what makes embody. Um, you know what? You know, before we continue, because every time I say embody audio, and then I look at the website, it says embody. embody. It's it's the company is embody, but audio is just kind of like a qualifier, so to speak, like. Yeah, so I think the name evolved uh, a couple of times. Like Embody VR, I'm pretty sure, is actually how it started. Oh, okay. Because mm. um, there was a whole kind of VR tie-in uh, when they founded it. But I th- Embody is the name of the company. Um, and Embody Audio is our social handle on all channels. So we're kind of all of them. Like I th- I'm pretty sure our email <laughs> domains still say Embody VR on them, you know? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, and do you... I mean, I know that you're newish to the company. Do you know, like, the where the original name came from? You know, I haven't asked specifically why they named the company Embody. Uh, I do know that uh, I have a feeling. If I had to hazard a guess, I would just say it's the personalized element of it. Yeah. Um, you embody you know, sort of, the audio yeah. experience. Yada, 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 yada. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> like, 
you know, creating a personalized representation of you, right? So there is an embodiment of you within that spatial audio yeah. experience. Maybe it's that. Maybe yeah. it's not. My boss will hear this in March and he'd be like, you know, that wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> or he'll be like, good guess. Way to go. Yeah. Um, very wrong. <laughs> very, yeah, very like, wrong. why didn't you ask us about this on the first day? Yeah. For- <laughs> um, well, I mean... To continue my original point, uh, Jaron and I have discussed, you know, what makes Embody, uh, like, Immerse so um, single, or what it does is so, I'm just going to call it audio sorcery, because I really do think that it is. To kind of break it down in very small terms, what Embody does like Immerse, the program, is it makes spatial audio in the stereo field. Is that like a really basic, um, yeah, really, yeah, really so. basic Space, yeah. of what it does? Yeah. And spatial audio, what that kind of entails is basically making a 5.1, 7.1 audio listening experience. Uh, like if you're in, uh, for me, I have a Bose system that's 5.1. And like sometimes when you're listening to something, they might put something in this back corner for the experience of it. And in gaming, we've had very simple applications of this. Um, I know that uh, Windows has like their like 3D audio or whatever. Um, we've even talked about on this show, Odyssey, uh, Mobius, uh, they have, and the, the term is HRTF, head-related transfer function. Correct? That is what is the magic, the secret sauce that is in Embody Audio. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So head-related transfer functions are a part of pretty much like any spatial audio thing, right? So what we specialize in in particular is personalized HRTFs. So the idea with an HRTF is it's basically, it's basically math that represents how the ear processes sound in the world, right? So sound travels, it hits the ear, everybody's ear does something different to it. So the theory behind this is that without a personal HRTF, if you're trying to recreate the experience of listening to audio in an actual, what they call it, meat space. I heard the term meat space on a GDC (laughs) presentation. It's my favorite way to call it. Meat space? Like instead of just saying the real world, yeah, meat space. (laughs) It sounds like a new dating app. (laughs) Meat space, it does. Do you like steak? We should meet. Meat space. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so if you want to create that experience inside of headphones, you have to approach it on an individual sort of level because everybody, everybody's you know, brain physiology is, is set up uniquely right, to handle yeah. that sort of process. You guys use the term audio fingerprint. Yeah, exactly. Because the, the idea there is that everybody's ear or HRTF is as unique as a fingerprint. And there's a lot of, a lot of things that go into HRTFs that I'm not like yeah. a super big expert on, but it's a lot of math. <laughs> I, I do want to just let our listeners know that if they watch the video version of this and they see my eyes like going in different di- places because I'm just imagining what I think you guys are talking about because this is like, you know, you two have like a wonderful relationship of understanding like the technology, but also even just some of the lingua franca of audio uh, professionalism. Lingua like, franca? Yeah. It sounds good and it's around my head. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I'm like, uh, I hear it. And I mean, I, I've experienced it. And uh, but when you guys break into it, I'm just like, uh huh. Well, I mean, just like, oh my if you go, when he's like, audio fingerprint. I was like, oh my goodness. 
uh, Embody uh, actually a tricky has a part, video. Right? Yeah. I was just going to say Embody video. has a video that breaks down HRTFs and there's there's like graphs and like 3D I love graphs. a good breakdown, baby. Yeah, breakdown and like yeah. it's it's it really I mean even as an audio engineer, uh, an audio mixer, I want to be specific because LinkedIn when I say audio engineer, people will reach out to me to try to hire me as an engineer and it's like, "No, no, no. It's not the same." <laughs> so I just say audio mixer. You want to mix my album? Yeah, you want. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, as an audio <laughs> mixer, um, you know, you deal with the sound space, the 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 field of whatever you're dealing with, whether it's the stereo field, which most people are, mo like they that's that's what their experience is is the stereo field. Like we all have stereo speakers most of the time. And then as a mixer 5.1, like this, this program, and then as a gamer, that's the thing that I want to really hit home as a gamer. The experience is just, it's really miraculous. I, that's the only really word that I can really put to it because when you're playing, you're using stereo headphones, there's a left and a right, but your ear perceives sound in a certain way. And when you set up in body, you take a picture of your ear and it analyzes it on the fly within seconds and creates a personalized thing for you. And so when I'm playing, uh, I mean, the, I think the best experience is zombie survival games because um, <laughs> it's terrifying. And Tom has experienced this. We did a, on our Twitch channel we did a blind react where Tom was blindfolded and we were playing Resident Evil, is it eight? Resident yeah, Evil eight village, yeah. baby. And he he said that he could perceive things behind him or to the left yeah. or to the right. And that's a terrifying experience. I just have to be It was like here. bird box all over, you know. <laughs> I was just like, Oh, oh no, I'm Sandra Bullock right now. But uh no, I mean it was it was cool. I I and for for that moment, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of nice." Like imagining if someone was playing, like I could only imagine people can have fun with that too. Just like as like you know, a lot of YouTube channels will do a lot of challenges. Like, okay, cool, someone listens, and then someone else plays. You know, without the audio, it's like, "Oh, could you do that?" And I think that's that's kind of like the cool thing where you allow the accessibility of this. Like to me, this is like high space level technology that's like oh wow now this is available for consumers that they could use it and they can apply it to multiple things and uh just kind of improve their experiences with the things that they daily interface with so that's that that that, that, that was that was how i felt about it <laughs> yeah that's that's awesome yeah it, it, the tricky part about talking about it is always that right because it's technologically complicated but the experience isn't necessarily it's just it's audio also so yeah. you deal with you know the difficulty of describing one's experience listening to something um you know you're trying to kind of put this somewhat i don't want to say it like it's abstract right i always kind of view audio as this abstract kind of a thing um and it's difficult to articulate that so especially when you're trying to market it right because it's like well we can't get too technically dense but too heady your thinking the technology yeah but the you know the tech is what differentiates our solution from other solutions too, right? So you do have to tell that story, but you also have to relay to people that, look, this is something anybody can enjoy and it really irrespective of genre. And, you know, you mentioned survival horror and stuff like that, definitely. Uh, like, is the first, right? Like, how do we showcase this software? Survival horror is always going to be the first, the first one. I feel like sound design and attention to 
you know, creating um, an engaging atmosphere and sense of ambience and all that stuff. And like the methodical placing of objects in space specifically to get a reaction out of you is something that's very uh, idiomatic to survival horror that maybe gets overlooked more often in other genres. But yeah, um, yeah, Resident Evil 8 sounds beautiful with it and uh, Dead Space and Back for Blood too. Um, yeah. Great too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the thing with, uh, I mean, with horror survival games, I mean, it's just like, it's just like um, horror movies. Uh, you know, the sound plays a huge part of what makes horror scary. And most times it's not just the visual, the jump scares, because jump scares, they usually come with large sound effects. And they might come from like very minimal uh, soundscape where it's even just like a drone or like a, or sometimes silence, uh, like just room tone. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there's this, and you're like, oh shit, what was that? Um, And horror games are the same way where you're just like, you're trekking along the, the map and all of a sudden you hear this, and you're like, oh, God, it's a whole experience. Um, but I mean, just because we've never, I realized that we've we've had you on the show when you were with a different company, and we've never really gone into detail uh, with you about this program. So I apologize if this is all like oh. marketing talk. <laughs> <laughs> No, not at no, all. I've, I've learned a lot about it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's I I've been trying to tell my friend. I have a, a group of friends that I play different games with, and I I tell them like, and they're they're all my, always my stream team, and I'd be like, hey, I'm going to be talking about uh, this program that we're collaborating with called Embody Audio, and uh, even talking to them about it, and they were just like, whoa, that sounds really cool, like trying to get the like you said before, and we've said in in conversations, like trying to translate the dopeness of this without using jargon is very hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And like when you're setting up the pro, I want to get into the program a little bit because it has three different settings. It has like, and please correct me because I, I'm not as ad, uh, versed as you probably are. Well, I work for the company, so but, but also correcting him gives me joy. So yeah, please, yeah, yeah. Please I mean, that. Tom likes to correct me even when I'm not wrong. So it's it's you know yeah, it's cool. cool. Um, so I mean, you have three settings. You have like the the fighting kind of game. You have like MMO game, and then you have RPG like close combat kind of thing. Like, and they they describe the space in terms of like how far the sound field is from your per- your perceived distance. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. Uh, so they're called game genre presets. And actually, kind of my perspective on how we should be talking about those has evolved in my time here. Because when we first started, it was all about, look, these are the genres of game which are most relevant to this particular setting. So the setting itself is it adjusts the spatial imaging. And you're right, it does, um, it adjusts depth, essentially. If you look at the actual interface, you'll see there's these sort of, I don't know, uh, concentric rings or whatever that sort of extend outward. And then within that, there is um, little circles that represent virtual speakers. And as you start adjusting these game genre presets, you will see those virtual speakers either come in or go out. Uh, So the three modes are immerse mode, awaken mode, and close combat mode. So rather than tying those to specific genres, because my attitude is like, look, 
we want people to develop their own relationship to this tech, their own relationship to the listening experience. And each one of those sort of spatial imaging presets offers well, a different way to experience a game, right? So like in your case, I remember when you were doing the Resident Evil stream, you actually were using uh, close combat rather than immerse mode, right? So like immerse mode is the one that was labeled as most relevant for first person shooters. Uh, whereas close combat was like, you know, racing games or fighting games, anything that just you want more intensity to the sound design, it brings everything closer to your head and, and achieves that. Mm. Um, but in your case, you found that, well, it's it's pretty disturbing to hear, you know, a zombie that much closer. It's all right about disturbingness, really. Yeah. Disturbing Tom. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, so my goal in talking about those now is to really explain that part of it better, the image shift, yeah. right, and just... Like, here's what it literally does. Now you guys can sort of play with that. Um, because the thing about it is, like, immerse mode is an example. We say first-person shooters, but it's gotten to the point where I pretty much use immerse mode for just about every game. Uh, and the reason for that is, you know, left, right, and center channels are a bit closer in the sound field, and then outside of view sounds are further out, um, which helps with front-rear separation. Also, the thing about that is, like, when I'm creating content, if I'm streaming with it, often like the majority of the sounds in a game are going to be routed to left and right. You know, so if you use awaken mode, let's say, which pushes everything farther out equally, including left and right channels, you end up with this sort of, or you can anyway, depends on the game, right? But this sort of attenuation of effect that especially when you're recording, um, you know, maybe won't allow like the, some, some of the core elements of the sound design to stand out as much as you would like them to. Um, so immerse mode, Again, it's kind of the default, and then the other ones are sort of situational. But everybody, like like I said, everybody kind of finds their own relationship to them and yeah. decides which ones they like to use. Because you're, um, like we were talking about the audio fingerprint and meat space. Um, yes. You're, it's really interesting to talk about the way people hear things, because even when you're listening to speakers, you're not just listening through speakers, you're it's it's more complicated than that. The audio is bouncing off the walls and the oxygen in the room and uh, down to a molecular level. And it's it yeah, it's crazy what happens and everybody hears that differently. That's why I don't like to as a as a mixer professionally, I don't like to make comments on other people's work because I hear it differently than they did at the desk. Um, and it is it is based on their own literally their own view of what a good mix is or how they even physically heard it when they were mixing it. So it's like, I, I can't make comments on that. Um, so everybody hears audio differently, even in the gaming world as gamers, we hear it differently. And it's, it's really interesting to hear that perceived distance in the different settings. I do like the close combat one because I'm like, yeah, I'm in it. I am in this and I am here for the experience. Um, but uh, yeah, so, and I think it's a, it's a good, that's enough like tech talk. I think everybody should go check it out. And if you do um, go to nerdon.tv. Thank you for listening to our tech talk. Yeah, this is our tech talk, <laughs> not our TED talk. Uh, go to nerdon.tv backslash embody. That is in a link that will lead you to Embody's website. And to be perfectly um, clear, we are affiliates. So if you do sign up, a little bit of every uh, purchase does go to keeping the literal lights and cameras and microphones on. So, and it helps us. And 
yeah, I realized that I skipped over the housekeeping altogether because I wanted to get right into the conversation with Jaren. So, you know, yeah. it's fine. I'll do the housekeeping Sunday. at the end. Right? Yeah. Right. You built uh, a knack man. about this, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've only, we've only been doing these for what, 240 some odd episodes. Yeah, it's cool. That's it's odd. fine. Uh, but let's get into the, like the, the juicy bits, uh, the gamer talk of like, not just talking to Jaron about what he talks about every day in his job, but like maybe what you don't get to talk about, like, like gaming. Yeah. I want hear Yeah. Jaron, I want to hear like how you got into gaming or what were like, you know, your childhood darlings and like, you know, what you're doing now. Ooh, how I got into gaming. I think, well, we had an, okay. We had a, a DOS computer a computer that was running off of dos with the, uh, so we had um like gold rush nice. yes. treasure island these really really old dos games um so that was kind of the first thing and then we had an atari so definitely played atari Ooh, the classic bit and then we had a, a nintendo an nes which died in a flood our, no! our washing machine broke Yeah, so this is like early, early on, right? So the NES fried, and then it was after that we went to Sega, and then Sega went, we went from there to Sony. So we started like Nintendo, and then that died, and we went to Sega and Sony. And so I didn't get back to Nintendo until like GameCube came out. But I'd say Sega and my Game Gear in particular were like the big Game Gear, big things. And then PlayStation One. Yeah, so I don't like where exactly to start, but. No, what, what kind of games are you playing right now? Oh, gosh, when I when I have time, honestly, I'm playing Final Fantasy 14. I just chip away and I like do my leveling queue. You that know, that is a grinding game. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, I feel like it's pretty casual. Like for me, it's pretty casual. I mean, it has a lot of grind set up in there, but I think that's one of the beautiful things about it because it's just it's set up to really cater to any level of investment that you're capable mm-hmm. of putting into it. Yeah. Um, you can, but yeah, I, you know, you can log in and oh, I'm gonna go do my mining quests or oh, I'm gonna go do my daily roulettes or whatever. Like it's, it's. Um, I, I always, uh, I have a interesting relationship with Final Fantasy 14 because I, I am, I love Final Fantasy, like the franchise itself. But Final Fantasy 14, I was always kind of adverse to it because it was an MMO. I, I was very adverse to MMOs just based on my experience with the communities of those MMOs. Um, and I know that 14 doesn't always have its, its positive community, but my team that I, I have played with in the past, I mean, it's just, it's like what you're saying. It's that casual, like, ah, let's go do this. Ah, let's go do that. You want to work on some storyline? We're going to be here a while. Do you want to, <laughs> cause the storyline yeah. is like, they just had, what was the, the most recent, uh, what the expansion and Walker, yeah, and yeah, Walker, yeah, yeah. and somehow it all comes back to embody. Uh, there is a um, an add-on for final specifically uh, with embody built in, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's called Immerse Game Pack Final Fantasy fourteen Edition, um, and a game pack is a different category of products. We have our Immerse Gaming software, which is what we were talking about earlier, which is the sort of personalized virtual surround sound thing. And then Immerse Game Pack's way cooler, actually, because we worked on that together with the Square Enix sound team for a couple of years before it launched. Um, And it's actually integrated at the object level. So before there's any sort of surround sound fold down, 
you just get the object-based information, which is this 360-degree sphere. And then all of the in-game sound objects are placed inside of that sphere, and that's all spatialized using your own personalized HRTF. So it's pretty cool. It's You only have to onboard with a separate piece of software, but when that's done, you just close it, and then you just check a little box in-game, and it's all baked into it. That's, Dude, that's been a trip, because I've been playing that game for, like, what, 11 years, I guess, now it's been... So I love the work excitement that you just got <laughs> because I mean, working on something that you're a fan of is just like, I don't know, there's a giddiness. That's the only word that I can get to it where you're like, I'm going to do what? I'm going to get to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I totally am. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. It's yeah, um, it's been a trip. I do want to bring up something that Josh mentioned about like uh, online communities and sometimes uh, certain games or certain fandoms are just may not be, you know, your cup of tea. But I think that kind of leads us a little bit more of kind of just an overall, you know, dissection, deconstruction, whatever have you, um, or observation of how games have evolved. Like now there are online communities. Now there are, you know, discords and servers and and fans who follow certain fans. But like, you know, it all kind of comes down to like how games have evolved in a, in a crazy way. I think, um, you know, going back to like, you know, the original Atari games or the Nintendo NES, like you had just like this one experience, right? You had like a platformer or an adventure game or, um, you know, an art, a, 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 a RPG. And now here we are, we have a lot of, you know, games that offer like dual type uh, experiences and they're very diverse where like there are mini games where like, okay, this is a shooter mini game within a platforming game, or there's a platforming game within a, 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 a RTS. So it's, it's, I think a it's a puzzle game within an RPG. Like, mm-hmm. like there's segments that happen and sometimes really, you know, it's, it's really cool to see how games have evolved from, you know, being purely, these cabinet games that are in, you know, arcades and now they're in our homes and they're on our phones and things like that. So yeah, I just did you play Shenmue a, for Dreamcast, the original? I, I did not, but I did play the new Shenmue 3. So uh-huh. I was like, okay, let me let me see what people were talking about. I was like, oh wow, this is this is an OG. This and that that was yeah. a cool feeling where it was like games can also transport you back in time a little bit of like, oh, this is how games used to be. Like and I can see where like this was huge back in the day. Yeah, well, the Shenmue thing I bring up just because in, in that game, I, I remember there's like a there's like a TV with a little console in it, and you could mm-hmm. play whatever that console was. And I think this was this was back in the Dreamcast days still. So, yeah, I remember that being trippy. It's like, wait, what? I can play this entirely separate game, game, in a game. inside of yeah. this game. Yeah, and I thought that was so cool. That's so like interesting, and that's something that um I feel like you know in, in books they you know I I've been har- harping a lot on books lately because uh there's thing called like nested narratives, right? Or nested novels where there's stories within the story. And, you know, games can do that too. And it's just interesting to see like how, you know, games just are art, you know, at the end of the day, they're art forms. And, but then, and they, they allow the audience members to actively engage in it. So, I, you know, it's, it's, it's been cool, you know, for me, I'm 30 years old at this point where it's like, oh, okay. Like I start out with NES as well. And so, like, you know, I had Super Mario and Duck Hunt, that little dual pack. And, you know, and then I got into, I forget the name. It's like Galaga or something. But it's like this shooter game where you shoot into the middle of the screen and you just, like, all you do is float around the sides of it. And then, you know, now we have games like Metal Gear Solid and we have, you know, Halo. And so it's like, 
that all came from these little eight bit dudes, you know? So, well, it's like story for me too. It's like when you think of, I'm not saying that Super Mario Brothers doesn't have story, but when you get into like where we are now in games and as they've moved forward, like one that I hearken back to and I'm a broken record about, like Final Fantasy VII, I remember was the first game in my life that hit me at a core level like it was just the the story was amazing the graphics i mean at the time 1997 1998 were just like i remember the moment for me that i was like this game is dope and it's a it's one of the cutscenes where i say sephiroth probably wrong i'm sorry everybody um sephiroth is um huh I don't think that's wrong. I say Sephiroth too. Okay, cool. Yay. <laughs> so we'll be wrong together. Uh, we'll be wrong together. It's like, I didn't know. I always called them Chocoboos. Chocobos. Uh, okay, well, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, but I'm wrong and I learned. I, huh? I mean, yeah, it's, it's cool to see like, you know, the nerdy things in our world that I think our, our parents would be like, oh, don't spend your time with that. They taught us how to read. They taught us like, Intricate things. They taught us lessons and stuff. They taught like that. us story, you know, you, like just like mm-hmm. you know, and uh, the evolution of video games. I think you can even align with like the evolution of film, and like games nowadays have so much depth to their story, where it's not just like save the princess. Now it's like you have to make one current example is like uh, Dying Light Two. Uh, I know that there are others, but like choices, like what you do in this quest is going to matter later on in the game. And it's just like, that's the, the depth that you can take with video games now. And then you have games that you just shoot things. Yeah, that element that of choices. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a one that people have been trying real hard to get right for a while. Yeah. Uh, remember like, I don't know. Gosh, I don't know what the first like because choice based games have been around for a long time, right? Like even mm-hmm. the old like old dungeon crawly like D and D kind of things where it's all text based, right? That's that's choice, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, more modern evolutions of it. It you know, there's the whole controversy surrounding. Oh well, it's the illusion of choice. It's not real choice, right? Like the whole Mass Effect trilogy. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. are big Mass Effect fans, but I like played the first one of those and was super thrilled about it. And then you get to the third one and and that whole uh, not to spoil the ending for anybody, but like there's a big disappointment for long-term mm-hmm. fans of that series because, like, you get all this stuff and you're like, okay, my choices are going to culminate in something. And it's like, I, you know, to some extent, it's like, well, you know, what could the developers do, right? There were so many variables. And that's that's where it gets tricky is because once you start building choice into your game, you have all of these branching paths. And to, I mean, that can occupy as much time, I guess, as as you allow it to, time and actual memory allocation, you know? Um, so it's a, a significant challenge, I think, for developers to be able to execute that, like with with true faith paid to this this idea of you really get to determine the course of your story. Yeah, but I mean, I agree, I agree too. You know, on all fronts, there. Like, I'm really grateful for games because it's right. Like, you know, parents growing up not necessarily mm-hmm. think it's the best use of your time, right? But then here we are, and it's like, well, this is, as far as I'm concerned, like the primary form of like multimedia like art 
Yeah. Right. And how many artists and storytellers and like coders, just people from all of these different disciplines who have work and get to pursue their passions because of this shared joy that all of us have for this art form. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I agree with you. It's, it's definitely an art. Yeah. Cause it's, 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 Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, because it's such a multi-layered art form. There, There's visuals, there's 3D graphics, there's sound, there's acting, there's writing, there's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a full experience, uh, back to front. Um, even testers, that like gamers getting to test a game. Like, I mean, it's just, it's and it's a full body experience of just like, I mean, uh, I laugh because like Dying Light 2, um, when you're doing parkour through the, the the city, your body's doing this like twitch of like, no, make the ledge. No. Like it's like you you feel it. You get like, butterflies when you jump <laughs> off of things. Yeah. Yeah. In games. So sorry, Tom, I what were you gonna say? <laughs> no, yeah. I was just gonna say like how like it's crazy to think like, you know, like back you know, in you know, at least when I was uh, conscious of it, like buying CDs what were like twenty bucks a pot. And like you go to a theater, they're about like thirteen, ten dollars average now. They're like sometimes up to like thirty bucks if you get IMAX. Um, but you're spending like you know uh, two to three hours um, in that experience. Where like a game, you spend forty to sixty dollars. It's you know quadruple, three hundred percent, four hundred percent the price of like those two things. Yet you could be spending eight to ten to thirty to forty to sixty to hundred hours on these things and. Uh, to both of your points, like yeah, there there is writing involved with you know the storytelling. There's designing the levels. There is mechanics involved. There there's just so much uh, to it that like it, it's crazy to think that it has it, like gaming has become the culmination of all these art forms. And I think yeah, you know, to that point where there is levels. There, there are games that you know talk about current events. You know, in our re- reality into a fictional world so that we can better digest it. There are things that kind of just you know, whisk us away to a, a new world, a new universe. And uh, it, it's it's crazy to think also just like to Josh's point of like gaming testers, right? At the end of the day, you know, certain art forms uh, don't need to be tested and they're just kind of just presented the world and you're going to catch your audience or you're not. Where games on a kind of massive level need to be somewhat playable. They need to be at least accessible to people, much like Embody, right? Like, things of quality that you're be investing you know 30 to 30 to 60 dollars you need to have it be acceptably played it needs to be a a product where people can actually use it and enjoy it um because if you you know if your movie's out there and you know no one likes a story no one's really gonna blink it's like okay cool you'll forget about it but like a game someone spent like 30 40 dollars that's when you get the online forums and everyone getting upset because Whoa. the controls don't work yeah but people get pretty upset over movies too yeah, <laughs> I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if you heard of, of the star uh, the Star Wars trilogy. Oh, 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 oh. With, oh. I, uh, I I live in all the fandoms, and I am ashamed <laughs> of every single one of them every day. Yeah, so Fair. it's rough. It's it's and well, I mean that's the thing where it's like the crazy, you know how how things have evolved and how things have changed, but also just like. Oh man, <laughs> it's like yeah. oh, can, can we go back a little bit and just kind of like relish in the fact that we had good things? Yeah, but yeah, well, that's another that's another podcast. Yeah, Absolutely. it's it's always a strange, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I don't know, place to live in. Like even just talking about nerd on and my place in it as a host, because sometimes it is the the experience is uh, objective. 
subjective. It's my own experience of Those it. Those are opposite That's things. Subjective. Yeah, subjective. Subjective. Um, yeah. yeah. Where it's like, this is my experience of it, where somebody might love something, or even the the the, the other side, hate something and I love it. And it's um, it's very strange to live in that world of uh, of that, of like, everybody's shitting on this, but can't we just like enjoy that it exists and have fun with it? Yeah, well? see, that's my attitude too. Like, I always have to tread tread carefully because like everybody has the right to their own feelings about things and stuff. But I, I'm I'm with you on that one. Like, I try as much as possible to evaluate things in the context in which they're presented or in the spirit in which they're presented. Right. So, for example, uh, some friends of mine were pretty upset about. Uh, like the some some something about the new Pokemon, right? There was just some complaint about it. I don't really exactly know what it was. I think something to do with it wasn't like they took out some elements that were like this core part of the competitive meta. They simplified it or something like that. Okay, um, you know something imagine. that like I'm very big yeah, like, on Pokemon, right? Like so, like deep down fans, right? Like I get it, right? They're gonna care more than more than I am, right? So I'm not the the person to go and say, well, like I am not the audience, care, right? <laughs> uh, exactly. At the same time, though, I look at it and I say, well, okay, if there's a new generation of people that they're trying to apply to, or uh, appeal to, and you know, Pokemon has always, to some extent, been a series for children, right? Not mm-hmm. for all ages, right? So not to disparage, certainly, but you know, with that in mind, that developers are gonna have to. Make changes, right? It, it it makes sense that the the game would evolve and that systems would change as they start to cater to new generations, and that's my whole thing. Especially as like I, somebody who has to create stuff myself, it's like I always hope people receive the work that I do. You know, not necessarily like oh I love it, but you know, not super like spiteful either. Like why why'd you do that for? That sucks. Yeah. So um, I think maybe just that is why I approach my own evaluations. I, I try as much as possible. Yeah. yeah and uh, Josh and I, we ended up having a joke of like, whenever something brand new comes in, like, like let's, let's go for, let's, we, we talked about, let's, let's talk about star Wars, right. Or, uh, or mass effect. Let's say they, they make a new mass effect game, right. Uh, which they have, um, no one's going into your house and then taking your old mass effect game and breaking it. Like you still have those experiences. You still have that. Like yeah. you can enjoy those things. You don't have to like the new ones. And no one's telling you that if you don't like the new ones, then all of Mass Effect isn't good anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think to that Pokemon point, I've had, I, I'm, I'm, if there's one company I'll probably shill for the most, it's probably the Pokemon company because I'm just like, they're the largest franchise in the entire world. And they've been with me through my childhood. They like, and where it came from and how it grew and how it became this giant thing. And like, you know, it's got so many different arms and legs. It's this giant Cthulhu monster. Um, but like <laughs> the new game, yeah, it's very different than the old game. Just games, imagining right? like just like old, old, old Pokemon whose names have been lost to time just in the background now. Just like because oh. you're like yeah, but no, I mean, hallucinations and stuff. <laughs> but like um the new one is very much like it is a departure from the old games, but you can almost argue that the old games are just one game just reskinned, right? And to a certain point, like, you know, even older games had, like, a lot of criticism for, like, being too easy. But, like, to your point, this is a kid's game, man. Like, <laughs> we, we got older. Like, it doesn't yeah. mean it's bad. It just means that your tastes have gotten cha- or changed or you want more something more challenging. Tastes and have got more complex may- with the complexity yeah, of I think- what is available and uh, possible. Mm-hmm. And, and I think both of you talked about story so much and implementing good story, like, Technically speaking, good story was never really um, 
absent from old games. Like you had the old Sierra games, right? That just like King's Quest, right? Where it's like, mm. oh, you're this little dude who's trying to be king one day, or you're going to be king one day because the future you is telling the story. But then like you're you're going out and you know you're saving a princess, but you're going out and you're meeting orcs and you're going to houses and you're you're like you know solving riddles and it's like, oh, this is an actual story if you have the patience to read it. But making the stories more accessible and then more uh I guess uh populated in new games is is where a lot of people I think are like, oh my god, we're in this like golden age of story where I feel like um to you guys' point everyone's going to look for a game for, for, for different reasons, right? Someone's going to look for the tight controls and being able to find the game within the game, right? You have like Kerbal Space Station, Sims, Civilization, um, uh, Metal Gear Solid, uh, Phantom Pain, uh, Death Stranding. These games are so giant and huge that you find the game within the game and you don't give a shit about the story. Or people who are just like, I want to play a Telltale game, right? Who is just like, these are decision-based games and all I'm going to be given is a story. You're not really... You know, the game kind of plays itself. You're just watching this long interactive cutscene. Um, so it, it's it's fun that like there is such a diversity, yet, you know, the loudest voices tend to feel like as if the game like all games must be catered to them. Um, but then I think this is like maybe the most controversial hot take, but it's like real gamers know that gaming's for everyone. Know that like everyone's gonna have something for themselves yeah. and you know, their game doesn't need to, you know dance for dance for anyone else yeah i mean i yeah i think yeah. that's where you get into like oh, sorry, oh, no, no 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 i would rather our guests talk more than me <laughs> <laughs> no i was just gonna say you know because it you know it is a it's a product right games are products too that's that's the whole thing right is that once you start getting like okay somebody paid for this and there's this just sort of extra layer of investment that people have towards these franchises and things like that so it's just it's both the emotional attachment right? like i've been connected to this series my whole life and then there's the I just spent $60 on this. What the hell? You know? Like that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And it's it's interesting because like, yeah, sure, it's an art, but because you are selling it to people, right? Like you're right. Like the whole QA thing you were talking about earlier. Like you, you do need to make sure that you're producing something that, you know, is of sufficient quality. Um, and that's, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, right? that, Like that, you absolutely have to do that. And Yeah, I was just going to say, because I mean, I think that the the follies that we've seen in gaming recently have been, you know, it's what decides, like a game gets hyped for a long time and hyped and the excitement is built and everybody, it seems like almost the entire community is excited for that game. And then something happens during launch or or whatever or during even its first weeks like i can think of we t- we talked about when we were getting ready for this the idea of talking about what makes us maybe grow away go away from the games that we did maybe initially love and i was i started thinking about it and recent examples for me are actually the um the after it's after launch once it's come out and how the developer once the honeymoon stage is over. Yeah, once the honeymoon stage is over, um, you uh, maybe it's developer communication, maybe it's um, uh, patches, updates, fixes, those kinds of things, and how how the they they respond to it, and it's it's very interesting to see. I mean, no, no. 
everybody I feel like knows about this. I mean, everything that happened with Cyberpunk 2077. Mm, I mean, that was, was, uh, for all intents and purposes, I mean, that was, that was a shiz show. I mean, that was just, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I I don't want to say what I were, I mean, it was, it's sad because I mean, we, we even here at Nerd On, we even got to interview some of the team behind that game. And, um, knowing the the love that did go into the 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 game, but it's a product. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a tale as old as time, right? Because mm-hmm. this is not the first time this has happened, right? And I'm sure I'm I, I don't know if the 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 dev, devs that you interviewed spoke to this or not, but right, like people want to see a return on their investment, so games are forced to launch before they're ready to launch. In the case mm-hmm. of Cyberpunk, you're right, like not just hyped through the immediate marketing campaign that surrounded launch, but shit, like hyped from the days of Witcher 1, right? Mm-hmm. Like hyped with that cinematic trailer when they were just like, we're not going to launch this game until it looks as good as this trailer looks, right? I don't know if you guys remember that, but I that remember. was a long time ago. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So 100%, and you know, it, like, okay, so I, did you guys play Vanguard? Have you heard of Vanguard? I've, I've heard, heard of Vanguard, Vanguard I but I haven't played it. Okay. Yeah, so I don't remember, like, I say something wrong about who exactly members of the team were, but I know, I think it was the lead dev or something like that was the lead dev behind the original EverQuest. It was something like that, right? So the whole thing surrounding that game was it's within the same vein as EverQuest. In other words, it's hearkening back to the more traditional aspects of MMO design before, like, the oversimplification that kind of came from Guild Wars and WoW and and that sort of generation of MMOs um, where it was, you know, slower and this massive massive inner like multiple continent world right and blah 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 blah. so they're really hyped especially for those of us who played the first ever quest and um unfortunately again they they just ran out of money because the scope of the game and that's where people get into trouble like these developers go into making these things that are just massive in scope they have these huge dreams they want to accomplish right and because they're artists you know Mm -hmm. they're artists and they want to create this beautiful thing um, but then, you know, money gets in there and do they have to launch it? So Vanguard launched before it was ready and I, I played it I played it solid for like a good three months, but there were just like elements to it that I could never get past, right? Things that could have been better that just, that weren't even just basic things like, okay, these animations aren't very good or there's not that many of them, right? Mm-hmm. Just basic presentation elements that I wasn't satisfied with, but, um, then it was just to the point there, I was like super hyped about that game and then I was ultimately bummed. And with Cyberpunk, you know, same same type of deal. I mean, what I will say, though, is that, okay, like, let's look at KOTOR 2. You okay. That game? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I so, started playing it recently. Yeah. Straight up, that game wasn't finished. There's, mm-hmm. like, so much content that modders have since gone and be like, hey, this stuff was basically disabled. Let's re-enable it. So much like that. And my, my point with this is just that it used to be that developers didn't have access to these post-launch patch mechanisms that they have now, right? So a game was released, and that was just it. it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that also means that probably our perspective as gamers, right, people who play these things, have, have also shifted, right? Because and, and, I know that maybe the onus gets put on, like, oh, hey, developer feels they can release a game that's not done yet because then they can patch it later. And to some extent, sure, that, that may be true. But also, you know... Cyberpunk at launch, I played it and I had a good time. I put tens of hours into it, right? Maybe, I don't know how how much it was, but the longer I played it, the the more aware I became of how kind of shallow it ultimately felt. And certainly there were a lot of issues with it, but 
I guess my point with this is that I like was Cyberpunk at launch less complete than some of these other games that came out before but didn't have access to post-launch patches? So I I think a lot of what you're saying, and this is to me, I feel bad just because this is the franchise that's always uh, the the poster boy for what you're saying of being released too early, Sonic. Every 3D Sonic game is always just like pushed out right before the holiday season. And it's just like, they're like game-breaking things where it's like you could hop over stages, you can break into new areas, you know, kind of without knowing like where the little cracks in the environments are. Um, and I think to your point with Cyberpunk, yeah, it was like something that was really hyped. And when Josh was talking about like communities will get really excited about it, it's like, and then I wanted to jump in. It's like before the game is even released. And I think to your point, that is such a crazy thing that us as gamers have like uh, grown in such a way where it's like we want to hype something and it has to be this world game ending changing thing. Like people to me should be more excited about Dying Light 2 or Last of Us 2 or Doom uh, Internal where it's like, you've already seen the one before. So when you get these brand new games and brand new franchises, you're like, why is everyone getting so hyped about this? Because it's like new, but also it's like, that also gives it to that point where it's like, there's going to be a chance for it to not have a great launch. And it's going to have to have these like, you know, 0.1 updates and the 1.1 updates. And like for four, for seven weeks has been 20 updates. And to me, like why I harken back on Pokemon, it's more likely I harken back to Nintendo because Nintendo doesn't have that stuff. They like very, very, very ever rarely at all. They're like, here's an update to just change one graphical thing on this patch of grass or like, so this Pokemon like spawns on this encounter table when it should have. And, and it's it's, it's kind of crazy. I think to me, there, there's both, right? It's like one, I think game developers know that like they have an online community. Two, I think it's really cool that the online community has come out and created mods. Like playing The Witcher 3 on PlayStation 4, which was the first time I ever played it, was not fun. It was my first time playing The Witcher. I was just like, this is very like clunky. And then my friend was like, play it on PC. There's a lot of quality of life updates, like the fast travels, the, the checkpoints, just graphical updates that people put. And like, that's also the power of the gaming community, right? Like, People are willing to wanting to see the games played at their most optimal forms. And it's to, but also does that help make better game developers, right? People who have to do it, but also game developing uh, environments are, are different too, right? So much more competitive and it's so much more like, oh, this is a, you know, a bajillion dollar industry at this point where before it was like, oh, these like little boutiques, like, you know, Sega and Nintendo. And then all of a sudden like, oh, we're giant monsters now and we can you know, have several branches and distribute like several different companies and we just eat all these studios <laughs> uh, like Microsoft has been doing, right? They've been eating everybody. And then Sony's like, oh, we're going to eat that one then. It's like, okay, I guess that's that's the case. Um, and they're but, just like, going to eat each other. Some... Yeah, but I think there is something. There's going to be one company, only one. <laughs> they're, they are micro, Microsoft. Sonosoft. Uh, <laughs> Squares. Uh, mm. <laughs> Um, but I think there is something where like us gamers also kind of, I don't know, there, I mean, maybe not everyone here talking in this, uh, this, uh, episode, but like, I think there's a lot of people who just kind of also, you know, um, uh, passively just eat, just devour any, you know, Assassin's Creed or Battlefield or Call of Duty, you know, these $60 games that come out every year. And they're just like, yeah, this quality of game, which to your point, when, that's the that's the tough thing with you know your experience with Vanguard where it was like this is a this this should be a great game but then you see recycled content 
you see the same missions, you see the same interactions, if not the same exact storylines from other games, and you're like, just go to the place, shoot the thing. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's tough, and it, it feels like, you know, us as gamers, like, oh, but we want to be loyal to it, but also it's like, but are we also letting people learn the wrong lessons, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, Crazy. yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very interesting um, experience to be a part of as a, as a modern gamer. And um, yeah, that's oftentimes the, the thing that will inform people's experience. I mean, for one example of what you were talking about, Tom, that came to mind was uh, Fallout 4. I believe mm -hmm. there was a mod that a friend of mine just said that made it playable, like a, an actual mod that came out that made the game playable. Like there were issues with the game and I'm just talking and about things that I don't know about and just regurgitating what I've heard. So, you know, that's what no, I'm here yeah, for. I well, mean, no, I've, I've got friends that are like that though. Like so particular. Okay. So I got a buddy who's like really good friend of mine, but like has a really hard time sticking to games because he's constantly disappointed because he always goes into a game like, especially if there's been any hype surrounding that game. And he always goes into it with like, not I don't know if it's expectations or what it is, but just these lofty dreams of what it should be. And because of that, he's constantly finding ways in which every game is falling short of that mark. So I remember like Skyrim came out and I, I, I'm sure he's played lots of Skyrim, but at one point he's really upset that the physics weren't better in Skyrim. Like that sort of thing. The kind of gamer who like, if the physics of the world don't behave the way I would expect them to, then my immersion is broken and therefore I'm taken out of the game, right? So um, yeah, there are definitely people that with that level of intensity, right? There's all these expectations and hopes built around these game worlds. And, and yeah, that's the thing about hype too, right? Is that the more hyped something is, the harder it's going to be to hit that mark, you yeah. know? So that's, again, getting back to what I said earlier about just trying to evaluate things in, in the context and spirit with which they're presented to you, right? Because like you mentioned... Mm -hmm the CD Projekt Red developers and how passionate they were. Like, I have a lot of brand loyalty to them because mm -hmm. they were the first company that I'm aware of that voluntarily removed all D DRM from their game, like, retroactively, which was Witcher 1. It When you first got it, it was like a, a disc, right? Back in the day, and it was like 2006, 2007 that I got this thing. I found it like a Best Buy shelf, you know? And uh, had DRM on it, so like three installs, whatever it was. And then at some point later, they're like, you know sorry, what? Sorry, because I'm kind of yeah. uh, a layman. Uh, DRM, yeah. what is that? DR, okay, I, I don't, I think it's, I want to say digital resource management, but honestly, I don't actually know what it stands for. But basically, like, the thing that used to be part of basically all software, which was you can only install this on X number of systems before your oh, license yeah. is no longer, you know, usable. I remember that, That yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, and what was happening is like Pirate Bay was all bit. I mean, I don't know if Pirate Bay is even still around now, right? But all these sort of different pirating platforms that were around causing all of this issue around DRM because it created a scenario where the only people who were really subject to DRM and the most negative ramifications of it were the people who were buying the game legitimately. And then everybody who was pirating it had already circumvented that whole process, so it didn't affect them at all. So DRM wasn't preventing pirating. All it was doing was annoying genuine customers. Mm -hmm. And so CD Projekt Red with Witcher 1 was like, you know what, we're getting rid of it. I was like, wow, that's a really cool thing. And I don't know, like I just that that resonated a lot with me. And of course, Witcher 1 blew my mind too, because it's like a 70, oh, yeah. 80 hour game. And I hadn't read the books at this point, but like I get into this game and all of a sudden there's this like time travel stuff. Just it completely, I didn't expect it to go where it went. 
Right. I was in, I was, it, the fantasy world was great by itself. The fantasy storytelling and the ways that they kind of played with that, uh, the tropes and all that and, and incorporated mythology, that, that was all great. And then I get further into it and it turns into this sci-fi thing that I didn't expect. And I had never seen that before either. So the story blew my mind also. Um, so anyway, just fast forwarding now to, to cyberpunk. And it's like, I don't know. I, so, okay, what I will say, and then to my earlier point, I didn't play it on console. Mm. So the console release, like, horrible, right? Because that's straight up not playable. So, yeah. and, you know, nothing play, but my, my greatest on, sympathies. Uh, yeah. On Sony for, like, uh, on PlayStation for, I think maybe a handful of hours. Um, yeah. And it was like, oh, oh. Okay, yeah, but also I had a at sure. the time of launch I had a PS5 and I know that there were there was um, some not ideal experiences for the modern generation of gamers um, mm -hmm. uh, with that particular game. Yeah, yeah no, I, well, think, I, yeah. I, I think technically speaking, you got the middle of the road, right? Like yeah. you know, PC was probably the best way to experience it, then PS5 and then PS4. Uh, I mean, yeah, just Sony took it There's off. Xbox the store. in that. <laughs> just don't. Um, and, I, and I mean that. I mean, we're all Sony people here. We're all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Corey's not here. He would have been all the Mass Effect and the Kotor, but like, you know, he's the Xbox yeah. guy. But like, yeah, yeah. I, I think to to that point, it is kind of also to to that point too. Accessibility, right? Different games on different places. Like now, I'm kind of like, mm, I kind of only want to get very 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 selective games on console now and then everything's gonna be on pc so yeah but sorry yeah. go when it's you... moving towards that way anyway right because microsoft has been like hey all of our xbox titles are now just available on pc right so it's very clearly going in that direction which i think is a great thing yeah mm -hmm. and then hopefully uh, we get the uh the 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 experience that i've been having is that i've just loved so much is the and during the pandemic, I uh, started playing Fallout 76, and I met these random people uh, that became really good friends. And But we could only all play Fallout 76 on PlayStation. And then you enter a game like Back for Blood, cross-play. I have a buddy in that group that loves his PC. He would prefer to play games on PC um, and gets to. Get to play this game and and uh, crossplay is another part of that where it's like uh, of this conversation that we're talking about of just like what may cause a gamer to grow away from a game because you're like, well, my friend quote upgraded, you know they they now they're playing the game on PC and they're being able to take full effect of ray tracing or whatever. It's like not saying that consoles don't have great graphics, they do. The PC experience, there's there's more to it. Um, yeah, well, I think it's a necessity at this point that the industry go in that direction, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, you guys were talking about community earlier, and I was thinking about this. Um, like, I feel like a lot of the current community, I and mean, there's just what blows my mind now is just the sheer volume of it all, right? Like, there are so many communities and new things popping up all the time that like don't feel new and yet are completely foreign to me too. So it's like I like. But anyway, as far as the like where it came from, I just remember like like I think of Twitch, and then I think of being on the couch with my buddies playing horror games, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think about like it was always one of us playing and the other one watching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that experience. And so the you know when I started watching Twitch like early college, um, that's how I interpreted it. 
Right. And in any case, there has been this, through the evolution of gaming, this kind of intermingling of gaming and social experiences. And certain companies have tried to force that issue. Like, was it EA? Who's like, we're never going to make a single-player game ever again. And now they're like, we're making a single-player Dragon Age. <laughs> Sorry about that, you know? Um, but like, so, you know, there's that side of it where, you know, forcing multiplayer into games that didn't ever need it. But then there's, like, I, I don't know, especially in the most recent years, this whole online community thing feels more important on a real level, I guess, than it ever did before, right? Just because we're we're so isolated, you know, mm-hmm. compared to to what things were like before. So, you know, getting this idea of crossplay and where the industry is going and all that stuff. There's there's multiple facets here, but I think, you know, gaming companies are always looking for ways to innovate and to to push forward. And you know, graphics I think are have always historically been the primary driver for that. It's like, okay, let's make the games look better. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there's all these other facets of game dev, but, um, you know, audio was a new thing that, like, for the for the first time when PS5 um, and Xbox, was it Series X, were announced, right? Uh, the first time I can recall uh, in the history of, like, a next-gen console announcement, they were like, hey, audio is the big thing now, right? That's the frontier that we're pushing on in addition to graphics, and that that got there. But now there's this whole idea of like crossplay and what Microsoft is doing, the whole like cloud-based gaming, all of this stuff that seems to be pushing it towards because you're exactly right. I mean, I think there's there's a recognition that gaming at this point is a people do it for human connection mm-hmm. often, right? Not that single player games don't exist or anything like that. There's still plenty of that, but like single player games and, and a lot of people are streaming those on Twitch anyway, right? So it I think that. At least I hope to see it, right? I hope to see crossplay become the norm, right? And I like in that respect that that Microsoft is doing what they're doing. And um, you know, I don't know. It gets really tricky when you start dealing with you know different companies and different countries and all of the different vested interests that there are, right? So creating a, a world where everything is just crossplay and stuff like that is probably far, far away. But yeah, um, it does seem to be becoming a little bit more common. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it changes the experience. Yeah, Tom. I think I think it also gets uh, tricky though, right? And that's a tough thing where it, it the like again, it kind of goes back to us as consumers and them as developers where like it, it's wonderful that I think we all us three on the show make things and we make things that we we find have artistic value because uh we have a little bit of the I don't know what you want to call it, but we have we have some sense empathy. of empathy. Empathy, <laughs> yeah. Um, because it, 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 the, the the tough thing about crossplay is, um, you know, is player base. It's hardware, right? Like Rocket League, right, was the first ever game I believe to be fully cross platform amongst every platform, like on Switch. But Switch doesn't go to you know sixty frames per second. Switch doesn't mm-hmm. have the hardware as a PC or an Xbox or a PlayStation, and so you're playing at a disadvantage. And uh, th- those are those are things, right? Where also internet speeds are pings, right? The, like you, you know, you know, you have you have so many experiences or uh, examples of people who like host uh, the the game and the match, and then that are just you know rubber banding everyone around, which is hard. And that's the tough tough thing. Where like you know, um, I think an, an average casual gamer will will point at the game and be like, "This is a bad game," or "This is a bad you know rollout." Where like. It's not magic, man. Maybe it's like Witcher magic where there's sci-fi involved, but it's like, you know, it's 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 hard and it's difficult. And but also it's like a noble thing to do, like DRM, which I found out is data uh rights management. 
Data um, rights management. Thank you. Um, you know, it, it, it is something that like once you realize, oh, this should be like uh, like fully accessible and not this like thing we must suffer through. Um, it, it now becomes a responsibility of like, well, how do we make this, you know, available for everybody? And, you know, even Overwatch, right, uh, had a, a, such a problem with um, people wanting to play the game they wanted to play and then not, and having role queue where people couldn't play a certain uh, types of characters in their team compositions because they would spam like, well, everyone wants to play DPS because those were just the classification. So it's it's just hard also to just implement that. And so to your point, I do really like appreciate the idea of crossplay and I hope that becomes a norm. Oh boy, I I I, yeah. I I hope we can get through all the growing pains because as you yeah. said, like with you know Star Wars, right? It's like, why can't we have anything nice? Guys, they're they're doing it. They're doing it for us. Yeah. <laughs> they're trying That's to make always important good. to remember, right? Like it's human beings somewhere. It's like some poor person on a computer, just like I'm trying my best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh absolutely. I, I think about it in a I used to work uh tech support, uh at the uh, Apple store, I was a genius there. And when I'd have appointments and people would bring, come in with like software issues, it's, and they go, well, why doesn't this work? And it's like, man, there's so <laughs> many like lines of code and just like things that are, it is not just this visual representation that you're seeing in front of you that is the the user interface or the, in this case that we're talking about, the video game. It's, it's so much there's so much that goes into this thing that the empathy for the the, the gaming companies and for me i guess is it's just something that always goes into it where it's like that really sucks but <laughs> you know i get it man you're you're trying yeah. there's some div- i mean some p pe- i and I don't know what it is because I'm not a game developer. I don't run or work in a game developing company, but you know, there's some companies that handle it well, that handle maybe a a a uh, less than set positive launch to some that are like, we were built for this. We know how to do this. Here's a patch. We figured it out. Here's a patch. We know what we're doing. You know, like. And then there's some that were like, ah, oh, the shit's broke. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out as we go. Like, like some some launches yeah. feel like that, where you're like, "Oh no, it's broken." Oh, okay. We'll figure or it you out. Have game. A QA department. Yeah. <laughs> or you have games like yeah. uh, Shovel Knight that are like no patches, just more free game. Mm, yeah. You yeah. Know, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna do a crowdfunding so we can just make more levels for you." It's like, oh, mm. you know. And those are like the darlings, right? And I think that's uh, their 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 goals. And milestones where people want to get to in that yeah. way. Well, well, I mean, yeah. but, and but to your to your point, also that makes why a lot of free to play games are so enticing now because no one paid anything to play them, and then all the oh, that's down. not true. They paid so much to play those free micro games. microtransactions for sure. <laughs> but like you know, like games like to to me, it's like like Splitgate and Fortnite, right? You're spending money on stupid cosmetics that don't change the fact that like I could invest 30 hours in this yeah. game without but I got I got to be pr- this is a complete tangent here. I am not a fan of the free to play model. I never have been. This mm-hmm. comes from my MMO. Like I've played mm-hmm. probably every MMO that has like not not in recent years, but like growing up. I was going to say Dungeon MMO, Fighter Online. <laughs> no, did you play Earth and Beyond? I played that. You guys oh, heard of that one? No. Nobody's wow. heard of that one. Nobody <laughs> knows what that game is. That was an MMO that was out for a while. 
<laughs> and I played it. Uh, and so, you know, it used to be MMOs were subscription-based things, right? And then, I, God, I don't remember, like, the first example of a free-to-play one that came out. But my attitude with free-to-play is, like, sure. <laughs> well, that's an old one, so maybe I shouldn't say that it, you know, was traditionally. But, like, you know, EverQuest was a subscription. So, like, I come from the EverQuest, and then Ultima Online before that, which I didn't actually play. So, like, I was captivated by EverQuest as a, as a wee boy. And uh, then my sort of genesis or whatever into MMORPGs sort of stemmed from that. And uh, I view I view Final Fantasy fourteen, in fact, as sort of a part of that same genus. Of, mm-hmm. Yeah, of you pay a subscription design. fee. Um, right, and the thing is, when you do that, when everybody's, and again, there's this whole like, yeah, it's only cosmetic items, but what happens is that it incentivizes the developers to make their coolest stuff for the microtransactions. Mm. So like, even if it's something basic, like the costumes that you're getting. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be that way. And I'm sure you can find examples that aren't necessarily that way, but there's multiple sort of routes this can go. And my attitude is when you have a subscription base, you end up creating a better product overall because you're not focused on devoting all these resources to these little things that are going to get people to spend more money on your platform. You're focused on making the game better, right? Because people are just paying what they're paying. So you don't have to figure out the next way to like generate a bunch of sales. You already have your subscription, and now you can just worry about, okay, now what will make these people who have chosen to be loyal to this game and pay the subscription enjoy it even more? And everybody will have access to it, and there's no more like delineating resources based on you know these unfortunate kind of sets of priorities that I think arise as a natural result of going free-to-play. And also, the other route it can go is just obnoxious, horrible UI and oh. bloat and inventory and like crummy incremental progression that just floods your inventory with garbage that you don't know what it does. And there isn't a mark all is red. Uh, like, (laughs) or like stop sending me spam chests, you know? Yeah. 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 (laughs) You Genshin talking to you Genshin. (laughs) Yeah. But like, or lost arc, man, even that, like the, you know, everybody's dream thing, right? Like cool. Like not awesome elements to it, but I, took one look at it. It's like, okay, well, I've played it and it's fun, sure, but it has these things going on, right? These obnoxious you, things. You can see it in the DNA. I really like what you said, the genus. It's like, yeah, that there are games that in the DNA are like, oh, okay, I know. I know what your, what your trick is versus like, I see you. to your point, in, in a weird tangential way, it's kind of like with streaming services, right? Where it's like, they want the subscription to make these originals versus like the old studio model was like, well, we have to kind of placate to like, what this person or what this audience wants. And then so we're only going to be catering to that thing, even if it's shallow versus like, if you have that kind of steady income, that flow, we're like, okay, cool. All we have to worry about is just making the best thing. Yeah. The experience as a whole. I feel like we could go on for hours and hours and hours talking about this. Cause I, as we're going, I'm like, oh yeah. And then there's this and then there's this, but I think that this might be a good place to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Josh yeah. is tired of talking to us. No, I am yeah, not. That a- absolutely that happens, not. That happens on a weekly basis. With I you. mean, with Tom specifically, yes. Uh, Jaren, no. I can talk to you for okay. days. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Weeks. Well, I mean, there's, there's just... I feel like there could be a part two as we break down and go further because, I mean, there's there's things that I I have specific... I'm, I'm sure we can dig into specific examples and and... And being the, it's it's interesting to be in this this episode with you guys because it's I feel like we're all kind of in the same mindset and on different levels of like being empathetic about a release, but also being able to be critical and be like, ooh, so this is where it's like as a gamer the experience of why it was, um, you know, 
less than yeah. ideal. But yeah. And I think, you know, critique is like everybody has the right, right? Yeah. And so critique is important too, because there are valid critiques to make. Yeah. Often, always. Right. And there's a so lot of invalid ones. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's I think it's, you know, it's the spirit with which you're leveling your critique, right? Mm -hmm. Or levying, I don't know, doling no. out. Yeah, yeah, dispensing yeah. with yeah. <laughs> whichever the word is. Yeah, shooting. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like if you're just if you're doing it with like anger and rage in your heart, then Vitriol. there's just probably something else going on. And you know, like hopefully you're able to work past it. But like disparaging yeah. other people as people. Yeah. Like that's just that is yeah. when I see that, I'm like, wow. Okay. But like if you yeah. look at the situation as a situation and as a as a as a whole and being able to i know tom that hate, hates this phrase he has said personally recently seeing the forest for the trees like being able to step oh. back <laughs> i don't hate it i just as an impatient person uh i hate the process <laughs> yeah <laughs> so to me i'm like no i put in the work i should get the result now yeah <laughs> but that's but that's me but I, that that's to your point, Jaren, there's more going on in the background. <laughs> yeah, there's there's more to it than when we see when we see a launch of a video game go less than ideal. It's there's there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot, and we're not always going to know social dynamics, uh, like company culture. We're not like the development the the social media team, the emails back. Like, there's so much. I mean, seriously. We get the product yeah. at the end, but... And we, the, the, yeah. the, the updates and the patches or not. And it's... We can't know everything that went on in the development of a video game. It's... Yeah. Anyway. Everybody at home, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Jaron, thank you so much for joining us. It, it's fun to get to talk to you about the 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 techno jargon, but also to just, you know, at heart, you're a you're a gamer, you're a composer, you're you you you're not just the marketing guy. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, at this point to uh, me, it's been you're great the, to be you're, here. You're the MMO master. Ah, yes. The MMO secret MMO guru who's who's not like not good at any of them, but I've played all of <laughs> but them. But you have a good knowledge, a wealth of knowledge, <laughs> yeah. and I would love to just bounce like, all right, I played this, I played this, and I would love to. You're like, okay, that's that's the that's an OG or that's a that's a baby game. I would love to know. I would love to know. Bounce <laughs> those things off of you. We're friends on Steam now. Anytime we can play Dying Light yeah. Two together. Yeah, we can. I need to. I need to get to the part where I unlock multiplayer. I just got to the part where the world opens up. Nice. So I got nice. my binoculars now. Um, but yeah, everybody at home. Well, wait. I am just terrible at housekeeping today. I'm just terrible. Jaron, where, so real quick. So the Final Fantasy 14 game pack came back, came out a few months ago. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I hear that you might have a little bit of a tease, no specifics, but just a, a tease, yeah. a suggestion. That's right. So basically just keep an eye out late March, kind of into April. Mm -hmm. We have actually quite a few things going on. So a lot of irons in the fire, kind of always. But yeah, gaming-wise, we do have some new stuff on the horizon that's pretty exciting. It's more more technical stuff, but stuff that's... I mean, we're always trying to find ways to improve spatial audio. And, you know, there's a lot of different pieces to that puzzle. Yeah. And we're working on yet one more piece to that puzzle, which we hope to launch soon. So 
Um, just keep an eye out. Follow us on Twitter. We're Embody Audio on every channel. So as soon as that launches, if you're following us on any of those platforms, you'll hear about it. Yeah. Um, and immerse.gg. Or actually, what's now? Nerdon has a special link, which you should. Well, I mean, if if you go to nerdon.tv backslash Embody, it was just a way to brand it so people could easily. I am a firm believer in what I call the internet laziness factor. I want to make it as easy as possible for somebody to a remember and then do the thing. And so nerdon.tv backslash embody will lead you to the embody website specifically with our affiliate information attached so that if you do decide to give it a try, there is a free trial, right? Uh, Yes, there. Yeah, uh, all of our stuff. In fact, the game pack and the standalone software and our pro audio stuff all have free trials. Yeah, so that's because that's our thing, right? It's like you know we want people to try it and and assume that most of the time when they do, they'll be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, I suggest everybody at home check it out. Um, it's really cool. It's just even just as a gamer from a gaming experience, it's just a really interesting thing to add to the experience of an already cool video game. Like just. And it works with what I think is so amazing about it. Really the like getting down to the nitty gritty of what's so cool is it works with any kind of headphone, right? It's like, I, I even made yep. the, I, I made the false assumption on a Twitch stream of like uh, earbud kind of types. It works with those too. Uh, which is yeah, it's actually funny. It's actually the, the binaural microphone that is actually an in-ear, right? So it technically... Right, like in ears, maybe even closer to the like base level uh, math. Wow, over ears, but math. yeah, no, it works works with all all headsets. Yeah, math space. Yeah, that's my go to now. It's just anytime it's like a bunch of complicated technical stuff, I'm just like, it's math. Yeah, and I like that. That is the, the everybody accepts it. They go, oh okay. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Math. it's math. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In science. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but everybody at home, do check that out. Uh, Follow Embody everywhere that you can. Download Immerse. Check it out. Just give a shot. I think it, it's it's really worth it. Um, the housekeeping I'll get into now. Uh, we this episode wouldn't be possible really without uh, support from the Nerdon Nation, uh, powered by Patreon. Nerdon.tv backslash Patreon. It is the way that we have been able to keep doing this to keep the lights on, the cameras going, the the microphones getting the audio and to just be able to do this for as long as we we have we're almost at 250 episodes but really there's more than that there's hundreds of episodes and if you go to our website nerdon.tv you'll get all those episodes but do consider joining nerdon.tv backslash patreon get that nerdon nation membership and there's all sorts of like boner episodes and early access to episodes and we, we try to do as much as we can. Behind the scenes videos, uh, all sorts of stuff. So check that out and consider joining uh, the Discord. There's a really fun community that's growing all the time. And you can, there's even a tech channel that you're like, oh, I want to talk a little bit more about Embody Audio. There's a tech channel in there that we can talk about. Uh, there's a gaming channel in there. Um, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, really important thing to throw out here do consider uh, stopping by rating and reviewing wherever you are. Uh, we are everywhere podcasts can be heard. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, all of the ones that accept ratings and reviews, stop by, rate and review. It is the way that some people make their decision on whether to listen or not. And then when you're done doing that, share it with everybody. Everybody. Because that's how we grow. 
but that is the housekeeping. Jaron, thank you so much for joining us. This has been fun. I'm sure it won't be the last time. Um, but yeah, that's it. You know the drill, everybody. As always, nerd on. Ending broadcast.